This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's a Monday, OG, but a very special Monday. It is Memorial Day in the United States. It is... uh another Monday if you live someplace else. However, big Monday here in the USA, remembering um, some people who are very special to this country. We get to have a day off because other people don't have a day off. Yeah, absolutely. And so on behalf of the men and women in our military, keeping us all safe here on Memorial Day, let's raise a toast, gents, to the military. On behalf of the men and women here, make a podcast in the basement and the men and women at Navy Federal Credit Union. Let's raise our glasses and give a toast. The men and women in the military who don't have a day off. As you succinctly said, OG, let's go stack some Benjamins. My plan is sound, mathematically sound. It cannot fail. It's perfect. Three months from now, I will be worth $50,000. Independent for life. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and on today's episode, fraud, bribery, embezzlement, and love? Today, to tell us what it's like to unearth money secrets between couples and what to do if you have your suspicions, we welcome the author of The Divorce Handbook, Tracy Conan. For our TikTok Minute, can falling into a coma bring you luck? We've got answers. And in our headline segment, The Mortgage Business During Rising Interest Rates, can you maybe swing a deal for better terms? Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Linda. And I'll also share my suspicious, very suspicious trivia. And now, two guys who would never defraud you about your finances, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. It's a holiday weekend here in the United States, but guess what? We are working for you. Happy Monday, everybody, on a special Memorial Day weekend. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and gentleman who also showed up because there's overtime pay, at least as 
far as he thinks. Mr. OG is here. I have the checkbook, so... So it's always overtime. <laughs> it's always time and a half for OG, miraculously. You know what day it is? It's Wednesday, and that means overtime pay. <laughs> it's Wednesday at 10 a.m. I can't be working who knows how many Wednesdays. Yes. It's a happy, happy day for us all because we're going to help you find the money today. We had this woman on before. She is a forensic spy meaning she can help you figure out where the money's at, OG, when you decide that, uh, well, when Mrs. OG decides that she's sick of you, she should probably have Tracy's number. I know where it's all going. Avfuel. A little bit. What's Avfuel? It's the airplane gas. Av- aviation. Oh. It's how everybody pronounces it. Aviation fuel. Yes, yeah, scintillating radio, guys. Today we're talking about... <laughs> <That's> <laughs> today, right. today we're actually talking about maybe making your life better because... If uh, things are not going very well in your relationship, you want to make sure you take care of yourself. Tracy Conan is here. And man, when she was here last time, forensic spy. First, we got a great headline. We got our TikTok minute. We are loaded for a holiday Monday. But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example... You could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost, or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required, terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. All right, now we can get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Today's headline comes to us from the... Wall Street Journal. Got to say, OG found this one very interesting and kind of apropos. And as I was reading it, I'm like, I wonder how many people really think this way about um, about the people that manufacture the different products that you have to buy to get where you want to go, whether it's a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund, or how about in this case, mortgages. This is written by Telus Demos. Mortgage lenders are playing defense. Not shocking, right? Interest rates going up, OG. Mortgage lenders, of course, going, uh-oh, maybe a few fewer loans coming in. Tellus writes, mortgage lenders have been squeezed by rising rates and falling volumes, 
investors should be paying attention to when they push back. Home lending rates in mid-May hit their highest level since 2009 on Freddie Mac's weekly U.S. average of 30-year fixed-rate mortgages at 5.25%. That is a climb of about two percentage points at the end of last year. The direction of travel should be no surprise as the Federal Reserve raises rates and moves to shrink its mortgage bond portfolio. But the Freddie Mac mortgage average has jumped roughly three-quarters of a point more this year than the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield has written. Now, why is that important? Oh, gee, historically, the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield and mortgage rates kind of run in step. Like people think about the Fed and mortgage rates. Not true. It's usually treasuries and mortgage rates. However, mortgage rates have risen a little higher. Guess why? Uh because there's costs involved associated with creating mortgages. And they've made sure that the costs have gone up and they've done it in a way that is pretty sneaky. Listen to this. A component of that mortgage right rise might be a degree of a mortgage lenders protecting their pricing. One way that can be measured is by the spread or difference in rates between rates that standard mortgage borrowers pay and what benchmark securitized packages of mortgages are yielding. Let's talk about this, OG, because nobody's going to see this. When you go and you ask a mortgage lender about the fees in their mortgage, you're not going to see the spread. You're totally not going to see the spread. Well, most of the time when you get a mortgage, the person who's selling it to you is doing so in a way that they can take your mortgage plus uh, 150,000 other mortgages and put it all together and then sell it to a servicing company. You know, maybe the servicing company is their same bank, but, but sometimes it's not. In fact, most of the time it's not. And the difference between what you pay and what they're going to sell it to that other company for is their profit. And so when you see or part of their profit, right? And so when you see things like, you know, I've got a five and a quarter mortgage, the bank isn't paying five and a quarter for your money or for their money that they give to you. The bank's paying five yeah, and they give it to you for five and a quarter. And, you know, they, they actually the said difference. the spread's actually even higher than that. OG historically, it's been about a 1.1% difference. So if it's five yeah. and a half, it's, it's 4.4 that they're paying. Yeah. I didn't know I was making it up, but yeah, but 1.1. 1. 1, wow. But the number actually at the beginning of the year dipped a little lower as companies tried initially to just keep things going. So if you look at what's happened lately, at the beginning of the year, that spread narrowed. And why would that be? Well, the easy thought would be, hey, it looks like interest rates are going up. We're going to narrow the spread a little bit so that we look pretty competitive versus everybody Mm -hmm. else. But as you know, gee, that's not sustainable. So what do you do over a little bit longer time now that we're five, six months into the year? Now, instead, you increase the spread because you know the interest rates now are probably going to stay higher. I'm not going to say that they're high because interest rates are not high, but they're going to stay higher than they've been lately. And so listen to this. The spread now has gone from a average of 1.1 up to 1.3 for the average company. So these companies are trying to squeeze a few more bucks out, but I don't think this is sustainable either, right? I mean, competition's going to bring that back down. Well, and and you think about like the volume, right? I mean, when you have a lot of volume, when you're refinancing houses or there's a lot of purchasing going on, maybe you can get away with one or 
but now there's not as much volume because interest rates have gone up. So now they've raised their cost to kind of keep their margins intact in terms of real dollars because it still it still costs money to you know keep the lights on and pay the mortgage bill at their own building. So that maybe that has something to do with it too. Basically, a double whammy for for trying to get a house right now. In first quarter results, the median gain on sale margin among banks and originators tracked by analysts at Piper Sandler continued its decline from the 2020 peak when it was over 3% at that time. Hmm. Fell to 1.28%, so once again around one3 though the sequential drop was a bit smaller. Notably, though, two giant originators, Rocket Companies and UWM Holdings, were among the firms that actually saw their margins grow from the fourth quarter. The largest firms have long positioned themselves as being able to benefit as small fry that expanded during the pandemic retreat. So as you're seeing some of these companies that were small players all of a sudden have to maybe begin laying people off as now there's fewer loans coming in. Companies like Rocket Mortgage go in, okay, we're ready to pick up the slack. Yeah, we'll scoop up the market share, whatever yeah. that is, yeah. You know, I, I don't know the details behind this, but I know uh, one of the places that the large mortgage companies, really every mortgage company makes a big chunk of their money is selling your mortgage in the secondary market. And I wonder if that money is drying up a little bit. And so there's a, there's a whole revenue stream that isn't isn't there like it used to be. It's sort of like a car dealer. They're not making nearly as much selling you, you know, the profit margin on selling you your car as what they're making between them and the OEM. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Doug, because that's exactly the for people that aren't aren't sure what we're talking about, this is exactly what we're talking about. That's the margin that's up. When they go to resell it, instead of a 1.1% difference, it's a 1.3% difference. So it is companies are making money on the resale of your loan, yeah. making sure that mortgage is priced higher than it was before so they can make more on the on the resale of it. But let's make this a little actionable OG. I've got a piece here on tips to get the right mortgage. So if you're still in the mortgage business and you need to get this done, I'd say get it done sooner rather than later. Uh, however, Kevin Pratt writes a few things. He says, build the biggest deposit that you can Put the most money down, OG, Kevin says, so that you can get a smaller mortgage. I think this becomes more important as interest rates get higher because your chance of being able to beat the rate with outside investments becomes less and less. Yeah. And, you know, there are some different uh, thresholds between different levels of mortgages, the regular mortgage, conventional, jumbo mortgages, whatever, which could also have an impact on the on the rate as well. So if you can get it under one of those hurdles that will help kind of make it an easier process and and kind of a traditional mortgage as opposed to something, you know, a little bit off the wall. Second, and this is a surprise to first-time homeowners, budget for additional cost. There's not just going to be the mortgage cost. There may be surveyor fees, conveyance fees, and also, of course, you're going to have moving costs associated with uh, with home buy-in. And I find, man, those first two weeks, I'm on a first name basis with the people at Home Depot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not only the costs associated with the mortgage acquisition, which generally speaking gets rolled into your rolled into your mortgage, but kind of on point one where you said it affects your down payment. You know, if you've got five thousand dollars of costs and you had thought, well, I'm gonna put fifteen thousand dollars down on this house, you end up putting ten down instead, you know, that's gonna have kind of those extra effects. 
And geez, if it only takes you two weeks to get your house moved in, that's impressive because uh, we've been here eight years and we still have stuff that we do. That we still are we're like, oh, look at that. I wonder what's in this box. Have you seen those, uh, the people online that have uh, taken boxes that were unopened, like after living in a house for two years and without opening them, they just take them down to the, the donation site. They're like, if I haven't opened it, if I haven't opened it yet, I'm not going to use it. So just get rid of it. Well, and it's not only just the moving costs, but you know, generally most people don't move to lateral homes. They move to a bigger house or a smaller house or something. They have, there's a purpose for that move. And if you're moving to a bigger space, you've got more area to heat and cool. You've got more bathrooms that use water. You've got, you know, like all of that stuff is going to have a have a compounding effect for sure. That's why I like on number three here, step three, what can you afford? Something I used to do with clients when I was a planner was we calculate the cost of the mortgage, including the escrow costs and look at the difference between what they're paying now and what they're, they're going to be paying OG. And we would have that go into a savings account for a few months. We'd automate it. So we pretend they have a bigger mortgage to make sure they can afford it because saying you can afford an extra $500 a month and actually affording an extra $500 a month are two different things. And what was neat was two different things. Yeah. When they could, when they could afford it, if we did it for four months, we now have $2,000 sitting there that we know we're going to need for some changes to the house when you first move in. Right. Cause there's all those costs we're yep. talking about. Sometimes I, you know, I wonder, I wonder how many people are finding that they're, you know, cause rents are going up quite a bit across the country. I wonder how many people are finding that Actually, it's the same maybe to buy a house versus rent or hesitate to save money because I think people think that they're going to save money and then then you really don't. Somebody on Instagram was posting home rental prices in Southern California and just how crazy they are. $14,000 a month, $15,000 a month. Could you imagine renting a house for $15,000 a month? Uh, no. <laughs> they had some houses in Beverly Hills that they were showing off that were, don't get me wrong, these were great places, but $60,000 a month. Like who rents a house for $60,000 a month? People like you, apparently. Of course. Step four, uh, check your credit report. Of course, you want to do that a couple months ahead of time. Make sure that uh, your credit report's clean. There was a piece by ABC News a few years ago that said that uh, 80% of credit reports have mistakes, 80%. So uh, dive in, get that clean. They're not the uh, good kind. That's right. They're never in your favor. Isn't that true? Uh, Step five, cut down on spending. Uh, Six, get your documentation ready. This is the one that always drives me crazy. Mortgage lenders will tell you all day long, don't need anything. Don't need anything. Don't need anything. And then the day before, if you don't have this to us in the next 24 hours, this mortgage isn't happening. You're like, where were you the last two months? Yep. Tax returns last couple of years, three years if you're a business owner, most recent W-2s, months worth of bank statements or several months worth of bank statements, investment account statements. Have it all in a... In a f- they, they also say don't buy anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't. Like, don't get a car. Don't open a new credit card. That'll start your process over again, practically. Mm-hmm. They throw a complete hissy if you do that. Yep. While you're right in the middle of your mortgage. Well, it makes sense, right. though. You're right in the middle of a mortgage process, and then you go and you buy something else on payments. Right. Yeah. Don't mess up the biggest purchase, probably, in your life. You know, we'll not Be an only- idiot like OG and then go buy a brand new car after you just closed in your house. Bam. Because that makes a ton of sense. <laughs> That's the way to do it. <laughs> do that was, whatever mistake number that was, did that. <laughs> Should be like a 
punch card of stupid financial decisions. And I know we got Tracy like, coming up. Uh, she's upstairs getting ready to talk about her divorce guide. You should have OG's mess up guide. What not to do? Like all the stuff I tried that does not work. Exactly. Yeah. Between you and I, I think we got that. We got all the bingo. We've covered everything. Yeah. So. Hey, uh, we not only have this list, we got some great lists when it comes to getting your mortgage right. Brooke Miller, our amazing former financial planner that works with us. Brooke helps us by creating this, this newsletter called the 201, where we dive into not just the 101 like we did today, but deeper dives into this. So if you want to know more about the mortgage industry and how the fees work, and how the game is played. She's got some more links there, and she'll also have links on what you need to know if you're in the mortgage getting business right now. If you need a mortgage, uh, subscribe to the 201, stackybenjamins.com slash 201. Of course, uh, deep dives on all the topics we talk about here on the show a day after the episode comes out so that you can continue to investigate the things that you're most worried about. Up next, it's time for our TikTok Minute. This is the part of the show where we talk about something that is amazing happening in the world of money that has been profiled on TikTok, or it's something, in air quotes, amazing that has happened uh, in the world of money. So is this one amazing, OG, or air quotes amazing? It's anybody's guess. Uh, Air quotes amazing. Well, today's video OG is actually going to be something not air quotes amazing. It's going to be amazing because this gentleman in Australia went into a coma. Most people were sure that he was going to pass away. He comes out of a coma and he wins the lottery immediately. And then, and this is 22 years ago, and for some reason it's been viral on TikTok lately, Then when the TV station asks him to recreate it, you know, that they're going in to create some B-roll. So they take him into a convenience store and they have him buy another one and scratch it off. Well, here's the news report out of Australia. He didn't know it, but that included an engagement, a new job, the new car, and even more good luck when we asked Bill to reenact buying his scratchy ticket. I just won 250,000. I'm not joking. I just won 250,000. Dude goes into a coma and then wins the lottery twice. At, At first, I'm thinking, who the heck buys a lottery ticket on their way home from the hospital? But on the other hand, on the day you cheat death, there is no better thing to do than buy a lottery ticket. Exactly. Uh, The piece said, this is from the DailyMail.uk, he should have died in June 1998, and for 14 minutes he did, but somehow doctors managed to revive him after he had a heart attack, spent 15 days in a coma. So there's his first lottery win. Yeah. Then he was living in, they call it a caravan park. I think that's like a trailer park in the United States, I would imagine. Yeah, mobile home park, yeah. In Melbourne's outer suburbs, dubbed a, a medical miracle at 37 and then he buys an instant scratchy and wins a brand new Toyota Corolla worth 30,000 bucks. And then as they ask him to recreate it for television, he wins $250,000. Now the intro- no, no, he didn't win 250,000. He won $250,000. I love how they just respell stuff down there at their whim. T-H-A-S-A-N-D, thousand. No, dude, say it right. <laughs> I can see you in Cindy. Pronounce that correctly. What are you doing? Cut, cut. All these people here, you people. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Mr. Morgan, by the way, now 59 years old, 
they contacted him to tell him that for some reason it's lighting up TikTok now. People are replaying this thing from long ago. And he says that that things have not been phenomenal. And he says two things. Number one, what he did with the money. Guess what he did with the money, OG? He took it and he bought a house. Bennett. No, well, he bought a house for cash so that he wouldn't have a mortgage. Just period. He bought himself some certainty. Living in a caravan park. And now, is, is, is that, did I pronounce that correctly? <laughs> I think you did. Yeah, they spell that wrong too, apparently. <laughs> P-A-K. He buys a house outright to make sure that he does something actually uh, good with it, a good investment. By the way, he took the other 50000 he invested it. So he does something a lot of lottery winners don't do. But he said something that's also true, OG, that his health, while he's so happy he's been able to have another 22 years with his spouse, and he has made sure, made the best of those years. His health hasn't been great. His uh, family has had some issues, which makes him say that he's very glad that he did the right thing when he got a windfall, which is amazing because most of us, we get this found money. We get this found money like we get a, we get an income tax refund, right? We consider that found money, even though it's not, it was our money. Hey, I got an extra two grand now. I'm going to do something crazy with it or I win the lottery, whatever it is, this dude actually did something great. Okay, good job. Nice job. If you got a TikTok Minute video you'd like us to dive into, uh, send those to me, joe at stackybenjamins.com. And uh, what, a, what a feel-good story. Dude wins the lottery three times. All right, coming up next, Tracy Conan. Man, I think of Tracy as a accountant spy. That sounds terrifying. Little <laughs> CSI going on. Yes, she's somebody that knows when she looks into the numbers, where are you hiding money? And if you don't trust your spouse, or even if you do trust your spouse, how do you make sure that you know where everything is? And if you're going through this horrible process, which is a divorce, how do you make sure that you take care of yourself? Tracy's going to help you there. And I'm sure like she when she was here last time, she's got some doozy stories, OG, of exactly of some people that uh, maybe wanted to hide the money a little more or probably not play that game at all. She's coming up in just a moment, but by way of that, I think, Doug, you might have some divorce-related trivia for us. Thought you'd never ask, Joe. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. We seem to have divorced ourselves from the idea that marriage lasts forever. Sure, it seems like forever when you drag all your loved ones into a VFW hall, involve gold in the world's hardest rock, and swear in front of everyone after spending a year's salary on decorations that this is totally for reals. But those irreconcilable differences sneak up on you, don't they? Maury Povich based a whole career on this topic. Dad says I'm his son. Mom knows otherwise. They should call it 23 and flee. We're not alone, though. The divorce economy is huge. So my question is, how much is the U.S. market size of family and divorce lawyers? Is it 110 million, 1.1 billion, or 11 billion? Oh, I see what we did there. We just moved the decimal point. Anyway, I'll be right back with the answer after I tell mom that dad says he wants his bowling bag back. (laughs) 
Navy Federal Credit Union wants to thank the men and women in the U.S. military for their important commitment to our country. For more than 85 years, Navy Federal Credit Union has made it their mission to help people in the military community. Navy Federal Credit Union is open to all branches of the military, veterans and their families. Navy Federal's employees are veterans and military spouses, so they're part of the community they serve, and they understand their members better than anyone. Members can enjoy an average earning and saving of $352 per year, a savings rate three times the national average, an average credit card APR 5% lower than the industry average, award-winning 24-7 stateside member service, over 350 branches worldwide. Show your own support for our troops when you're on social media with the same hashtag they're using, hashtag Mission Military Thanks. It's hashtag Mission Military Thanks. Learn more about how Navy Federal is celebrating the commitment that connects them to their members at NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Insured by NCUA, dollar value represents the results of the 2020 Navy Federal Member Give Back Study. Value claim based on Navy Federal's 2020 Member Give Back Study. Credit card value claim based on 2020 Navy Federal as low as APR averages compared to advertised industry APR averages as of December 31st, 2020, published on creditcards.com. Stackers, you've heard the bad news. Mint is shutting down. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, well... There is some good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch Money, it's what Cheryl and I use to manage our money. I, as you know, advocate a weekly meeting, and Cheryl and I live by that weekly meeting. We sometimes miss it, but we get back on the horse. And half the reason is is because we consistently get updates and reminders from uh, Monarch Money. I'm a notifications off kind of guy. But with Monarch, I want to see the notifications because it helps us collaborate We have our goals right next to the short-term spending that we have when we open up the app so we can see exactly what we're truly going for. And, you know, compare that thing in the moment that we want with what's the long-term goal. It's truly the next generation of personal finance apps. If you've been frustrated that there's ads all over your app or it's difficult to use or doesn't get updated, the Monarch people were too. And that is why they built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, your investments, your transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you head to monarchmoney.com slash benjamins. That's monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. You're going to get to kick the tires for 30 days, which I absolutely love because you want to make sure that it's for you. And I think the longer you use it, the more you will see, like I did, that uh, it's intuitive. Number one, it has this very simple design that makes it easy to set up, customize, and use. It's easy to collaborate. Uh, Cheryl has her login. I have mine. We can set up how we want. And You can send it to your financial advisor as well to have them have a login, anybody who's on your team. And you know what? No extra fee for that, which is amazing. It's all customizable, customer-focused, ad-free privacy you can trust. They'll never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. So after trying out Monarch for myself, I get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now... You can try too with an extended 30-day free trial. All you have to do is go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey, 
there, stackers. I'm divorced truth teller and stepdad to two dogs, Joe's mom's neighbor Doug. According to LegalJobs.io, where, you know, one goes every now and then, you know, to make sure that this job is legal. Anywho, LegalJob.io says the top reasons for divorce include the other party suddenly finding you repulsive, being broke and hating each other for it, and sliding into someone else's DMs on the reg. Although most follow through and get divorced, around 6% can't make up their damn minds and end up remarrying each other. Either way, it's lots of work for the lawyers. So, how much is the U.S. market size of family and divorce lawyers? $110 million, $1.1 billion, or $11 billion bucks? Yeah, you know it. The answer's more than $11 billion. And now, let's say hello to someone who will help you stay with your money forever, Tracy Conan. And here she comes back down to the basement, our favorite accountant spy, Tracy Conan's here. How are you? That's me. All is well in the forensic accounting world. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. Anytime we can have you back talking about some of the salacious stuff you shared last time, like that was so, so fun. But the bad news is, Tracy, it's fun for me to talk about it because, you know, watching train wrecks on the internet is a, is a great way to spend an hour. But to be in the process of a divorce, which is what you're tackling now, this is a horrible time in people's lives. You know, it sure is. I When I started my forensic accounting practice 22 years ago, I intentionally did not do divorce work because there is such an emotional component to it that for me was difficult. I just wanted to do my numbers and be done with it. And after I'd been in practice for about five or six years, I got asked to do a pretty big divorce case and I, I really couldn't say no to it. I said, sure. And so I started doing divorce work and found that I just found techniques for compartmentalizing for myself and for taking that emotional component of it and and working with the clients with it. Right. So validating that this is a really difficult time for them, but then redirecting them and saying, you know, the important part for me is to be able to get through these numbers. And so if I can focus on these numbers, you know, that's going to be a really good thing for you and your divorce. You know, a divorce attorney told me one time, and you probably feel the same, you're dealing with really nice people at the worst time in their life, right? I mean, this is the worst time by far in their life. It's true. And they say nobody wins in divorce, and it really is true. Everyone is coming out of it feeling cheated, uh, feeling hurt, and it is probably one of the most terrible times of their lives. And so, you know, I came to a point in my practice where the idea of being able to help them get some clarity, get some positive resolution and feel better about the financial part was actually really fulfilling to me. I know it sounds silly, like who says, oh, I'm so fulfilled with the numbers, but I found a way to really connect with my clients and feel like I was making a difference for them. And before we get to the, the some of the actual steps, I want to focus on just a couple of the steps in particular, but before we get to those when you have this feeling that maybe your spouse isn't being on the up and up, you've been in forensic accounting for a long time. What are some of the easy places to check that you might get those red flags that the suspicion you have might be true? 
Well, I always say, think about your spouse's behavior and has it changed in an unusual way? You know, are they being more secretive than they used to? Did you find a second phone? Did you find a second SIM card? I mean, there are people whose spouses like literally have a second SIM card and they swap SIM cards all day while they're texting, you know, the person they're having an affair with. Did you have access to the bank account online before and now you don't? You know, did you used to see a credit card statement coming to the house in the mail every month and all of a sudden it didn't come? Or here's a great one. You look at your bank statement every month and you see that Citibank was paid, right? No big deal. Yeah, we've got a Citibank credit card. That's where we put all the stuff. What happens one month when you see two payments to Citibank? What does that tell you? Tells you somebody might have something else that they're trying to cover up. Yeah, they probably have a second credit card that they're putting other stuff on. And they know that if you see Citibank on the statement, you're not going to think twice about it. They didn't count on you checking how many times Citibank came up. I didn't Mm -hmm. think about that. Two different Citibank accounts. Right. Oh, that's so simple now that I've told you, right? Now that I've told you, it's like, oh, duh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just don't think like that. Maybe that's a good thing that I don't, I don't, I don't think my brain doesn't think that way, but yeah. I'm required to think that way. Well, sure. You find that happens a fair amount, like a good amount when you're digging in. I mean, I've seen it often enough to put it on the list. Yeah. Good point. (laughs) Good point. Now, when you start things off with your checklist of things that people should do right from step number one, the very first thing that you point to is to get a new email address. And this is something that I did not even think of either, Tracy. I thought, well, how smart, because now you're going to have to have all this correspondence with your team and you're going to have to have all of this in and out coming in. You definitely have to begin protecting yourself with a different email. Right. It's again, another one of those things that's not super mind blowing once you know about it, but you hadn't thought about it. So you had an email address that your wife knew about maybe even at one time had your password to, or what if you have an old computer that is logged into that email address or has it, you know, saved in the browser, something like that. There are all sorts of ways that your spouse could have access to that email account that you've just, you're not thinking of, you're not remembering. And so the best thing to do is just start with a fresh email account. They don't even know what the email account address is, much less be able to guess that password. And I put the cart before the horse there. I said, in step one, the first thing that you have on this list is to get a new email address. Tell me what is step one? Well, what is step one? Plan for your divorce. And what are we talking about? Why are we talking about these steps, Joe? We're talking about the divorce money guide, a 10 step process for people to be able to take some control over the finances in their divorce. And especially if you were the spouse who wasn't real involved with the financial stuff in the family and you don't know what's been going on and you think, gosh, I'm getting divorced. I ought to know where the money's been going. The divorce money guide is going to help you do just that. Yeah. And you have to do in a lot of cases, especially if you're not the person that historically has known where the money's going, you have to do some forensic accounting because there's a good chance that you don't know where all the accounts are. And what I've seen from clients of mine back when I was a financial planner, all of a sudden your spouse, man, once, once divorce is on the table, all of a sudden they start shutting down all the accounts so that you don't have access to this stuff anymore anyway. Right. Oh gosh. I mean the shenanigans, right? Once we're getting divorced, all bets are off. And so you lose access to getting statements. You lose access to the money. You know, it's, it's unfortunately all too common that in divorce, um, the person who is has more of the money or has the higher earning capacity will cut the other spouse off thinking, well, they won't be able to hire an attorney. They won't be able to hire an expert, all these kinds of things. 
So these step one things that we're going to go through right now, these are things you need to do fast. Like I would think, Tracy, the second that you think something nefarious is going on, you got to do these before you alert your spouse that you're onto them, before you alert anybody, because you have to make sure that you've got access to all this stuff before they cut you off. Well, right. So, so the idea here is to do all this stuff in the dark of night before anyone is tipped off that, you know, there's a divorce coming, whether, whether you're the one who's going to be filing divorce or whether you think your spouse is going to file for divorce, you want to do this stuff quietly and quickly. The idea here though, is we want to get divorced, not arrested, right? So it's kind of the mantra throughout this whole guide, get Good divorce, not there's, arrested. There's a good and a bad part here, Tracy. Like they, thank you for clarifying that we don't want to get arrested like that. I'm sure. We- well, well, so, so here's something that some people don't think about, like, you know, throughout this guide, like I'm telling you, go get all your bank statements and download it all. Just download everything you can save it all, all that kind of stuff. You know, wife might say, well, I have the login to an account that's only in my husband's name. I'm going to go log in and download all this stuff. And that sounds like a really good idea, right? But if your name is not on the account, you shouldn't be doing it, especially if you know you guys are going for divorce. It can get you in trouble and it's not worth the risk. If he has an account that's only in his name, we will get those statements eventually and we'll get it through the right legal channels. You just have to know it's there. Right, right. Yeah, I need you to do the work to figure out that it's there. Um, But once we figure out it's there, then we can use the legal system to our advantage to get those, those account statements. Yeah. I want to go through a few more of these in step one, and then I want to fast forward to step six and give people kind of an idea of some of the things that they need to know about. Establish service with Dropbox, Box, or Google Drive. Why am I going to need a Dropbox account? Well, because I'm going to have you saving all of these statements and tax returns and, and important documents. You know, if you find a loan document that for a loan that you guys have, something like that, I want you to save all those documents and I want you to save them somewhere where they can't disappear. So if you're just saving them on your laptop computer, gosh, who's to say that you and your spouse won't have an argument in the midst of the divorce while you're still in the same house and your spouse might take the laptop, smash the laptop, God knows what. If we've got those documents saved somewhere like Dropbox, it's kind of a permanent thing. It's safe. You're not going to lose your documents. And so that's all that's about. I just think of a side benefit of that. Just as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, there's this joke about attorneys where a woman goes to an attorney and says, what do you charge? The attorney says $7,000 for three questions. And the woman goes, holy cow, isn't that a lot of money? And the guy says, yes, it is. What's your third question? Right? Yep. (laughs) And, and, (laughs) And I'm thinking that a side benefit of getting some of this stuff together going through your 10 step checklist as well, Tracy, is going to save you hopefully some money with attorneys that are going to be on the clock while they're asking you for this stuff. You're so right. You know, the main selling point of the product is how it can help you gain control of your finances. But a side benefit is if you gather these, you know, bank statements and these income tax returns and you put them in order and hand them to your attorney, you're absolutely going to save yourself some money. You know, the average divorce attorney charges around $350 an hour. And so every hour of the, their time that you can save is really a benefit to you. Yeah. Huge. And one of the interesting things was in getting this product together, I talked to a whole bunch of divorce attorneys. I talked to like 20 divorce attorneys one-on-one said, here's what I want to do. What do you think about this product? And bar none, they all said, oh my God, this is so needed. And I said, well, you know, one of the selling points is you can save some money on attorney's fees, but I kind of feel like I'm almost, you know, taking food off your table if I'm telling them how to save money with their attorneys. And every single one of them said, oh my gosh, I want 
nothing to do with gathering those account statements and those tax returns. If the client is willing to do it and is capable of doing it, I would much rather spend my time lawyering. Well, and think about how much smoother the system will seem to them. Like I did. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense for everybody. Uh, third on this list, open a bank account at an, at a new bank in your name only open a credit card in your name or, or only those two make complete sense to me. Going to need access to credit. Also going to need access to your own money, but then run a credit report on yourself. That was one I didn't expect. Right. So in a lot of these divorce scenarios, One of the spouses has a question as to whether or not money has been spent inappropriately or whether, what are our debts? What do we owe? Is there one of these credit cards out there that I didn't know about? Or, or did my husband take a home equity line of credit against our home? Gosh, I can't tell you how often I have seen one spouse saying, you know, we've been in this house for 15 years. I think it should be, you know, pretty well, we have a good dent in paying it off. And all of a sudden they find out there has been another line of credit taken out against the home and there's no equity in it. And so running that credit report on yourself will help you discover if there are some of these debts uh, that you didn't know about. Now, of course, if there is a debt that is only in your spouse's name, it's not going to show up on your credit report. It's only going to show up on yours if your name is on that debt. But it is at least a first step in that process. There's a problem that you and I have seen several times. And I say you and I because you've been involved with these enough. I'm sure you've seen this before. The divorce process starts. One of the one member of the couple knows that often debts get split 50-50 and they go run up all the credit cards knowing that they're only spending 50 cents on the dollar of their money. Like, how do you shut that activity down? So typically the filing of the divorce is sort of a good line in the sand that that kind of indicates where we stop being 50-50 responsible. But what I've seen in cases is exactly what you're talking about where you know, one of the spouses is really unhappy and knows, okay, um, within the next year, I'm going to file for divorce. And they do run up all of that stuff. That's a lot tougher. It's a lot tougher, something that is, it's a lot tougher of a situation to handle. And it, it often ends up coming out in an unfair way. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, have you seen any way to handle that? Because I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen any. Well, any so, great- well there is a way. If the spending was for non-marital purposes, that's kind of a slam dunk. What do you suppose a non-marital purpose is, Joe? Non-marital purpose. um, An affair. Oh. Drugs. Gambling. Right. Right. Okay. So non-marital purposes are things that do not benefit our family. If it's also spending that's outside of the ordinary, Right. So let's say the wife uh, suddenly decides to go get a facelift when plastic surgery was never on the table before, was never something that we did. Judges will consider those kinds of things and say, "Okay, hey, listen, that was purely selfish. That didn't benefit the family. We need to take that into account. So those are some of the techniques that you can use. But it's a tough it's a tough area. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, uh, you had get a secure mailing address again. Like I'm sure as I walk through all 10 of your steps, Tracy, there's so many things in here that I hadn't even thought about, but getting a secure mailing address makes sense because you need to make sure that your former spouse isn't getting your mail. Right. And so I struggled a little bit because I don't want to scare people, right? I don't want to scare them unnecessarily, but at the same time, these are some things that I've seen go sideways in divorces. And so if you're going to get that new credit card that I suggested you get, then have that bill go somewhere other than your home yeah. so that your spouse can intercept it, you know, wouldn't have a chance for any shenanigans related to it. It's just, it's just safer. Secure all social media accounts makes sense. There is a writer that, uh, 
I've worked with uh, several times in the past and her ex-husband got hold of her social media accounts during their very nasty divorce and left all kinds of horrible things about her on all of her social media channels. And it, by the way, made him and her just look absolutely horrible. I think he thought he was doing himself a favor and you know, nothing that, that we really want to see, but that, that secure your social media makes sense. I want to ask about this. You've got secure passports. That makes sense to me, but sign out of family electronic devices and log out of shared accounts like Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon. What are we trying to achieve there? Okay. So we're getting a little cloak and dagger with it, but here's what I've seen. So I worked on a case where there was a family iPad. Dad had an iPhone and didn't realize that all of his text messages that were coming to his iPhone were also going to the iPad. And so the kids saw all of the messages between him and his affair partner, including the nude photographs that they were sending each other. And so even if you're not engaged in anything like that, just for your own privacy's sake and for the kids' sake, I say, try to log out of all those. You know, the family might have a laptop computer that they're using. Try to get logged out of all that kind of stuff so nobody's seeing anything they're not supposed to. And then when it comes to Netflix and Hulu and those types of accounts, do you really want your soon-to-be ex-spouse looking at your history of what you've been watching? Probably not. Do you want them seeing the location of where you logged into that account? No. If you're getting a divorce and you're going on a vacation for whatever reason, they don't need to know where you are. But guess what? The Netflix account might show them last logged in from, you know, this city. And and I don't know for sure that Netflix does that. I know some of the services do show you where you logged in from. I don't know which ones. Yeah. I want to go forward in our remaining time to step six here, which is you have on a worksheet for step six, which is an analyzing the statements, a summary of deposits. And I thought, how brilliant is this to go through and look at the statement, all the deposits, all the transfers, all the net deposits so that you have a record of all these things. This is something else, Tracy, I would not have thought about before talking to you that I think is so important. Right. So what I was trying to do with the divorce money guide is really boil down the numbers in a way that someone who's not good with numbers, not an accountant, could get some information about their financial situation to help their divorce, right? So you're not going to be a forensic accountant, but what can I show you that I do that might help you? So looking at the deposits was one of the things. For you to get an idea of how much money is coming in every month and to figure out what are these paychecks that are coming in and was it all deposited to our account? And then what are those transfers? So you see extra money being deposited one month and you look at all the detail and you see, oh, that was a transfer from an account at Wells Fargo Bank. And you say, wait a second, I didn't know about Wells Fargo Bank. We have an account at Wells Fargo Bank. You might be saying to yourself, with all your forensic accounting expertise, Joe, you might be saying to yourself, if one of the spouses was trying to hide money at Wells Fargo Bank, they wouldn't be so stupid as to transfer money into the known bank account, would they? Yes, they would. Right, right. People make mistakes. I mean, for goodness sake. And especially, by the way, if you think your spouse isn't paying attention, right? Right. I mean, for goodness sakes, I worked on a case where it was the stupidest thing in the world. The husband wrote a check to a utility company in a different state, and he had a rental property there that the wife didn't know about that he was intending to never tell her about. And he accidentally wrote the check for the utilities out of the wrong bank account. And that's how we discovered that this property existed. And then it was brought into the divorce. And so these mistakes are made all the time, especially 
If the spouse has been trying to hide money and it's been ongoing for a long time, what I find is they get comfortable. They realize other spouse isn't looking, nobody's paying attention, and they get sloppy. There are 10 steps here. You go through all of these with videos, with the worksheet that we've been working through some of this, with written materials. What is the biggest aha? I went through a few ahas, I think, but what's the biggest aha you found that people using this have gotten from the 10 steps? So Joe, you you honed in on it with step six. Step six is in theory, you know, the most time intensive part of this process and maybe the most difficult because I'm asking you to dig in the details of the bank statements. But what I found is that users are seeing there are some simple things that we can do that will tip us off to some shenanigans. So for example, like a really easy tip of count up the number of paychecks that were deposited for an entire year, right? There's a predictable number of paychecks at every job. You get paid either probably every other week or twice a month. That's 24 or 26 paychecks. Just go and start counting them. Oopsie, one missing paycheck. Simple way to find some shenanigans. Wow. So much stuff in here. I'm sad that that's all we have time to go through. By the way, I had another aha, which was, I can't believe Tracy, that when you started creating this for people, that this URL was even still out there. Cause I feel like these people hone in on all these URLs, but people can find this at divorcemoneyguide.com. Like how the hell was divorcemoneyguide.com even available? You must've been surprised. So Joe, I came up with the brainstorm for the product and I immediately started researching URLs because I said, we have to have a name for the product that goes along with the URL. I am unwilling to have some stupid URL. I spent hours upon hours looking for something that was descriptive enough, that had the word divorce in it, and that was easy. And after many hours, all of a sudden I was like, well, there's divorce and there's money and it's not a book, but it's a guide, divorce money guide, sold in the cart, (laughs) purchased it. And guess what? There's going to be future money guides and I've already got all the URLs. Oh, smart move. So she's got the family of them. Good work. We've got the marriage money guide coming next because if you're going to get married, you're going to need to know how to protect yourself and protect your money in the event that your marriage does go south. I would think your time, Tracy, as a forensic spy has made you a little bit paranoid. And based on that uh, revelation you just gave us, I'm not wrong. Right. Yeah, you're not wrong at all. <laughs> Tracy, <laughs> thanks so much for hanging out with us. We'll have a link to Divorce Money Guide in our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. We'll also have links, as we always do, to kind of the 201 on this topic in our newsletter, 201, uh, stackybenjamins.com slash 201 to sign up for that. Tracy, thanks for coming back and sadly talking divorce, but I know you just helped a ton of people. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Hi, I'm Derek. And when I'm not working on the hook for Joe's mom's next greatest rap album, I'm stacking Benjamins, baby. Big thanks to Tracy for helping. I know a lot of people in a difficult time. OG, that was always one of the worst calls to get when I was a financial planner. I mean, obviously the worst call was so-and-so passed away. Yeah. Um, people that you became friends with over time. It wasn't just financial planner relationship. A lot of these people you became very close with. And when a close friend passes away, obviously it's horrible. But the second worst call was always, yeah, we're, we're getting a divorce. Hey, I don't want to go too deep into inside baseball here, but I'm curious, put aside the emotional aspect of getting that call as a financial planner, death or, or divorce, but which one is, I'll say the, uh, tactically or logistically the worst call to get which one's tougher 
to start undoing or peeling apart a marriage or a death? Like all the things you have to do to help with the financial aspects of it. I'm just curious. Well, on my end, thankfully, we haven't had too much of either. So it's quite a surprise when it happens regardless. I think they're both unique in their issues. You know, if you've done a good job of planning from a uh, financial planning standpoint, if a client passes away, hopefully you already have kind of the, you know, you've already got the plan on the shelf. Like now it's just time to execute the thing that you thought of. But I don't know that clients will have a tent. Uh, I don't know that we do a ton of planning on what if we get divorced? Let's plan that out. So that's probably no, the no, more I meant, catastrophic. I mean, one. like literally just like the paperwork of somebody yeah. passes away. And yeah, is there a ton of paperwork? Oh, from a paperwork standpoint. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think they're, yeah, it's, it's, they're both equally messy. I, I would, if I had to pick one though, OG, I think I would go either for married couple, the second death where it's somebody outside of the, the marriage or yeah. somebody single and it's moving to somebody else. I find that if it was a joint account or most of the accounts were together and everybody knows where things are, that's, that's fine. But explaining to somebody and doing the paperwork on a second death or on a single person's death probably is number one hardest. And then I'd put divorce in the middle and then, uh, first death of a married couple would probably be, would probably be third of the three of those. But you know, what is interesting? Oh, gee, when you say that, uh, you haven't seen that much divorce, I didn't either during my career. And, and, you know, you look at these statistics about the huge numbers of people who get divorced. There's gotta be some stat out there. If only, if only we had some machine that could help us find this number about the number of people that don't get divorced because they plan I think that there's got to be an interesting correlation there that you haven't seen it. I didn't see it a ton, not many people going through divorces. And yet you look at the divorce rate in the country is fairly high. I mean, isn't the number one issue money generally? So if you solve for that by having good financial discipline and, and everybody's moving in the same direction toward financial goals. Why do I get the impression that, in your heads, both of you are thinking, I'm an awesome marriage counselor, and people are happier when they're working with me. That's, There's nothing that's what I think is actually going on in the back of your brain. Were we talking about this the other day, that there's no better marriage counselor than OG? Like, come on, get over this, people. <laughs> God, I can see. Really, we're fighting over this? As long as you're like 200 grit sandpaper as you're, <laughs> right. when you're getting a hug from your financial <laughs> right. planner. No, you know what? They get done with a meeting in OG's office and they're out to dinner. They're like, hey, at least we have each other. <laughs> Whatever works. I realize I can't stand looking at you, but you're way better than our financial planner. I realize you're not as bad as OG. I'll stick with you. <laughs> of all the relationships I hate, this is only second worst. <laughs> Hey, uh, you guys are not invited to the barbecue this <laughs> afternoon. Well, why don't we move on and magnify somebody's money? Today's listener question comes to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com. When you go to stackybenjamins.com slash magnifymoney, Doug, you know what you find? Hemorrhoid cream that actually works. Well, unfortunately, no, but wouldn't that be a great side hustle for Magnify Money? Magnify Money, if uh, Brian and company, if you guys uh, really want to spark up that site, you can not only show people that they're financial products they're using at brick and mortar banks every day, nowhere near best in class. And 
that over 92% of the products available online all ranked at magnifymoney.com, you can also help people solve their hemorrhoid problem while they're there. It's like a twofer, you know, little add-on. Like you find your you find your best CD rate and then, you know, you go to buy it. And then there's that second thing saying, hey, before you buy this, would you like to throw some hemorrhoid cream yeah. in, the, in the cart? The big wigs at Magnify Money are sitting in the giant oak paneled conference room. We need another revenue stream. What are we going to do? How, how do we get this done? People's butts itch. We got to fix this. It's an untapped market. Ah, see what I did there? Oh, no. Oh, no. Stackybenjamins.com slash magnify money. That's probably OG, our last magnify money read ever. <laughs> Say goodbye to that sponsor. Uh, today, we're going to help Linda from New Hampshire. Is it New Hampshire or is it New Hampshire? Doug would know. Uh, it's totally Hampshire. Gorgeous place, by the way. Uh, Linda, say hello. Hello from New Hampshire, Joe and OG. My question is a timely one. I am normally a very boring buy and hold passive index investor. I never worry when the markets go down. However, I have a question I think a lot of other about-to-be-college freshmen will have. 529 plan as of January had $160,000 in it. Today, well, actually, I haven't looked in a few weeks, but as of two weeks ago, it had $150,000. So it's lost $10,000. I'm going to be needing this money soon, obviously. Tuition is $40K per year, so I'll need a total of $160,000. It's in an age based portfolio, so it's 85% bonds and 15% stock. But I was kind of wishing I had cashed out when I reached the goal. So at this point, I guess I'm asking, what would you do? Would you cash it out? Would you cash out some of it? Would you just let it all ride? Because hoping we don't need some of it for a few years now. Thanks for any insight you can provide. Love the show. Thanks. Linda, thank you so much for the question. And by the way, she must not be a native New Hampshire person. I don't know. I heard it. You heard it? I heard her go, however... Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, I think she's the real deal. But I like how she's like, yeah, whatever. Just love the show. Yada, yada, yada. Give me my answer. Yeah, Don. I got to go back to looking at beautiful mountains and stuff. Yes. <laughs> I got to go back out to the maple syrup farm. And uh, man, just beautiful. The maple syrup farm. No? I don't know. It's just yummy. It's just beautiful it place. Is, it is an amazing place. As long as you want to go north and south, you can get anywhere in New Hampshire. But if you want to go east and west, you got to go like 70 miles north, take a right. Can't get there from there. You yeah. just cannot. Linda OG has a problem that I'm sure a lot of people are having as they look at their statements. I was just in uh, Little Rock and a friend of the show, Amy, was there and said she was listening to our five things to do in a down market and said, huh, how down is it? She goes, and I made the mistake of opening my 401k statement and went, whoa, hey, hey, being down 10 grand. Yeah, it's not nothing. But no. so so the right answer was, uh, yeah, you should have dealt with this a long time ago. <laughs> that was the right answer, but you didn't. So here you are today. So well, let's talk about then people that aren't in that situation right. that where they need the money right now. Let's say they have young kids. If Linda could have backed up the truck and done this differently, what should she have done differently? What we recommend is for 529 plans for you to take the money that you're going to use the freshman year of college out the freshman year of high school. 
It's just a good symmetry. It's just easy to remember that way. Nice. And put it in cash or fixed income or something really, really, really conservative because you don't want this to happen. The problem was, is that four years ago, the market was going great. And so you go, wow, just another year, Ah, just another year. It's easy to look back today and say, I should have, but it's a lot more difficult when, when things are going gangbusters. The byproduct of that also is then you actually have to save more money because you have a few less years of compounding, you know, because eventually that money gets to cash four years ahead of time. Yeah. If you would have done that this cycle, you would have missed out on some pretty substantially big uh, growth years, but Mm. by the same token, you wouldn't be where you are. So you have to kind of put that into consideration, but it sounds like it's already because it's not about, it's not about missing out OG as much as it is about having the money where you want it, when you want it. Like, I feel like we get too into the market cycles and not enough into the cycles of when we need the money, which is really the first cycle we should be paying attention to. Yeah, that's especially for college. You pretty much know when your kid's going to be in college. You know, people say, well, I'm going to save for house or vacation home. You can kind of fudge that number a little bit, right? You can say, well, if the market's down, I'm okay with delaying it another year or whatever, you know? So... So if you've got a known outcome and a known time frame, then the money has to be in the spot where it's available on that day. And you got to take the volatility out of it. So I don't know why you would do anything other than that. You know, it is just amazing to me that remember some of the, and, and by the way, thank you for that question, Linda. But what is amazing to me when I'm looking at people online and listening kind of to these discussions that are happening online, that a year ago, People were worried about investing in the market because it was too high, right? And we have an equal amount of worry today in the market because the market is too low, because it's going down. It's funny, like when when is the right time if, oh, no, 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 the market's at all-time highs, I can't do that. Oh, no, the market is uh, horrible now, I can't, I can't invest now. Like I yeah. feel like there's always something that we worry about. Well, think of it this way. If on April 1st, April Fool's Day of 2017, I would have said to you, Joe, I guarantee a 70% return in the market between now and May of 2022. You'd have taken that all day long. You'd have done the math on that one. Okay, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, five years, 70%. That's better than, that's almost 15% a year. (laughs) I'll take that bet. I'll take that. And... Last March, when you were up 70% in four years instead of five, you'd have been like, Woo! Oh my goodness, you did it. It's the same number. You know, like we talked about a week ago, I think that people miss the opportunity to look backward to see exactly where they were compared to where they are today. It's the same number as March of 2021. Like, who cares? It's like literally a year difference. That's fine. Well, that actually might be good news for Linda. I know I already said thank you to Linda for... Uh, oh, yeah, we for, didn't answer her question yet. I was I was getting there. But some of this might just be give back, you know, give back yeah. the gains that she had the year before. So, Well, and for her, she said it's already in an age-based portfolio. So back to Linda's question. So you're an age-based portfolio. You said it's already 85% fixed income. So you have a really small amount of money that's exposed to the equity markets anyway. And the downside is that this time, both fixed income and stocks have gone down. You know, that's not generally how it works, but it happened to be this time. Because of the outcome, I would leave the fourth year of tuition invested and the rest of the money would be 
safe and secure. To give the opportunity for that 40, that that year's 30 to grow back to 40 because we're down 20%. Does that make sense? Like you're not going to get it all back because you don't have enough. Well, I mean, you might, but there's some chance that your, that your fourth year money goes down from, let's call it 30 down to 20. I mean, that could happen too. So you got to kind of weigh that. But I think if you've got four years, that's a, we're not at the beginning of it. We're somewhere in the middle, whether we're close to the end or some, you know, where we are in that, that roller coaster ride. I don't think anybody has any idea. I certainly don't, but we're closer to the end of it than we are at the beginning. So maybe you feel like gambling and saying like, well, I'm down 20, like it could go down another 10, but probably over the next four years, it'll be positive statistically. So is that a gamble you want to take? You could, or you could just say, well, I've got four years to save another 10,000 bucks, put it all in cash. And then you just got to save $200 a month for the next four years. And then you've, you've covered it all. So two different outcomes there: conservative or swing for the fences, hit the, hit the fat pitch over the wall. I don't know. Nice. Hit the dinger. Way to really put a period on that. <laughs> it just depends on, I mean, obviously she was pretty aggressive, or at least she thought she was, but the age-based portfolio means that you're actually not. So well, she's down 10 grand still. Yeah. Which checks, I guess the math. So then it's just basically, do you feel like, do you feel lucky? Well, do you punk? You know, know, it's like, (laughs) but the next three years I'd have in cash. I would, that money would just be sitting in, sitting in the 529 playing cash. Cause you know, you're going to write the checks 40 grand a year. The last year you can either, save another 10 grand over the next four years to make it happen or let it be invested in the market and see what happens. Either way, the frustrating part of this is we've talked before about the headlines and how the headlines, if you read news headlines, they will just drive you crazy. This is a piece from moneywise.com. How can I stop the pain and make money in this nightmarish market? How can I use different adjectives and adverbs in a headline? How can I stop the pain and make money in this nightmarish market? Says, I don't know. I mean, having gone through two of these in the last 20 years that are, you know, three actually, that are, that were all a thousand times worse than this. (laughs) It's like, give me a break. I, I, I just, it's hard for me to not get frustrated when you have to love the change, right? You don't get the up without the down. We say it like every fourth episode. So why do we still have to talk about that so often? Kind of the, the human nature, the emotional side of investing with our money when people only want the upside. You don't get upside unless you have downside. And you just have to be cool with it over the course of 20 or 30 years why do we have to keep talking about this? It's like what Sorry, Helen rant strike it. No, exactly. It's what Helen Russell said when she was on talking about how to be sad, which is you don't know the happy days unless you have some sad days. Right. Exactly. It's the same, same thing. Today is a sad market day. It totally is. It's just experience. That's all it is. It's experience. And the people who get this experience correct will benefit in future market declines in their lifetime. The people who get this experience incorrect, who sell or 
follow some charlatan on Reddit to, you know, whatever, they're going to be in a world of hurt for their entire life. Because every time this happens, every five to seven years, it's going to be the same yeah. drama all over again. And I first said that as a joke, but very seriously, OG, I feel like there's there are people in life that just have to have something to complain about. The same people that were complaining that the market was too high are now the ones that are complaining that it's too low. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. almost like that Jerry Seinfeld thing. Like, you're never happy where you are. You're like, oh, I'm at home. I got to get to work. I got to get to work. The second you get to work, you're like, I got to go home. I got to get home. And then you're... <laughs> That's right. Or I got to get in my car. Then you get in your car, you're stuck in traffic. You're like, I got to get out of my car. I got to get home. Then you get home, you're like, oh, I got to go to bed early because I got to get up for work tomorrow. It's the same, just we complain about every state that we're in. So Helen Russell was right on when she said how to be sad. You know what her her advice was? Lean into it. Lean into it. I love being sad because that means happy's coming. Well, just lean into the down market. What are the the blessings here? The good thing is for for those goals that aren't college right now, like Linda has, I can buy more. I can shovel more in. There's a sale at pennies. Yes. <laughs> pennies. I mean, when's the last time you were in a pennies? I found out they're still in business. <laughs> they, you found out. Indeed they are. I just found that out. <laughs> I was driving That's down. It's like a- when you play Dead or Alive <laughs> and someone, you know, someone picks some actor. Like, I thought that guy died 20 years ago. No, oh, he's man. still kicking it. That's what, that's what my realization was on JC Penney's. When that happens to me and somebody's like, I thought you died 20 years ago, it could be like, oh man, no, please no. Imagine being that person. But it's just basically, it's the answer to that is it's always a low point. Whether the market's down or the market's up, over time, it's always a low point, right? Has history and data shown us that? Whenever you buy, if you wait long enough, it's you bought it at a lowish point and it's going up. Yeah. Zoom out. Agreed. Right. Zoom out. Thanks for the question, Linda. You got a question for us. Head to stackybenjamins.com slash voicemail. And OG and Doug and I, happy to dive in. And uh, next time, Linda, we should just come to New Hampshire and do that. Because especially in the fall, we we, we got to plan like a live show, New Hampshire in the fall, just for a great trip to heaven. It would be awesome. Actually, the only time you don't want to go to New Hampshire is uh, is probably like, March and early April. Oh, but it's amazing any other time, but March and early April, a little bit rough. Oh, yeah. You're a right. Muddy. No, January's fantastic. What am I thinking? Yeah. yeah. Beautiful yeah, time to be. Gorgeous. Here. All right. That's going to do it for today. Man, we got a lot of people to thank. Of course, big thanks to you for hanging out with us on your holiday. Uh, we take that seriously. We got a great week of shows for you, by the way, coming up on Wednesday. Flight attendants did not like the way things were happening in the airline industry several years ago, and they worked to change that. We're going to tell that story about uh, workplace change. Very interesting case study. And if you don't like where you work, you don't like what's going on. Maybe there's some lessons there. It's uh, change at 40,000 feet. We're going to talk about on that show. And then on Friday, fantastic roundtable about being okay with making mistakes with your money. Talk about leaning in. How do you lean into those mistakes and become comfortable with the fact that you might not be might not be right all the time? We've got uh, that on tap. But if you're not here for more shows, you're here to make sure that you get your money house in order. OG and his team are taking clients and head to stackybenjamins.com slash OG for a link to their calendar so you can start thinking bigger about your goals. You know, we're already 
nearly six months, almost halfway done with 2022 already. What have you done? If you need to do more, do more faster. Stackofbenjamins.com slash OG. All right, that's going to do it for today. Doug, you got it from here, my friend. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take a hint from Tracy Conan. Having a horrible holiday weekend working on your divorce? Protect yourself with a few simple steps. It may not help make this weekend better, but it can ensure the rest of your life is better protected. Second, just because you're in a coma doesn't mean your life sucks. I don't get to say that too often, do I? It does remind you to take advantage of every day. Deploying your money to make the best of today count. But the big lesson? If you really want to make money, become a lawyer and help people dissolve their marriages. I mean, is this not just a fancy undo button? Who among us hasn't looked at our partner eating a bag of Funyuns and started banging on that Control Z? Thanks to Tracy Conan for joining us today. Her book, Divorce Handbook, is available wherever you go to avoid your ex, which is a place called DivorceMoneyGuide.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch, with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives, written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I did so many weddings at VFW house. Yeah, I did a couple too. Yeah. All right. Three, two.
Oh, you're talking about DJing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I just talked about <laughs> I got married in a few VFWs. <laughs> the third, a moose lodge. Third time I got married. Yeah. This guy that I met at the bar in uh, New Orleans kept on referring to his ex-wives as plaintiff number one and plaintiff number two. <laughs> and he's on plaintiff number three right now. That's <laughs> horrible. I was like, oh, third divorce. And he goes, well, we are, we're not divorced yet, but. But you become a you become a realist after a while. It's like plaintiff number three. I've read this book before. It's slightly, slightly cynical. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I am mildly interested in hearing a couple of stories about Egypt and Jordan and Middle East. Oh, we did that when you weren't here. Fantastic! Because you gave <laughs> that was you, the best answer possible. Because you gave me so much. <laughs> That's like calling somebody you don't really want to talk to and praying for voicemail. <laughs> like you got to say, "Oh, really? I want to hear about your vacation." Oh no, we already covered that. Victory is mine. Sweet Jesus, victory is mine. Great day in the morning. I said last week, Doug, we're going to have a seven-hour, seventy-seven slide presentation about <laughs> Jordan, Egypt, in an upcoming show. And Louise tweeted in our basement, Facebook tweeted or Facebooked. She Facebooked, face planted. I don't know. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> that with, should be a phrase. That should be. Yes. No, I saw that. I saw that comment by her as she face planted. But, uh, and I know actually I was, and it doesn't matter. Okay, let's go. It doesn't matter. Actually, you were. I mean, I, in another episode, you teased us with a 77 slide story about your vacation, but uh, we never went into it. I'm not going to do that, Doug. I dodged a bullet. I don't need to be harassed. Fine. I'll watch the movie later, another time. I told my hilarious story. Yes, the time Joe went to Egypt, the documentary. Well, Stackers, this episode is over, but you know what? Your homework has just begun, and it's not about what you know. It's about what you do. And partnering with the right organizations is a huge part of your success. Well, let me tell you, becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Now, not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example... You could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt, begin stackers with your debt strategy. Decide what the best terms are and conditions for the debt that you want to take, and then decide on the products. And with Navy Federal, you could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing costs or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable as you work your way through life. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender, membership required, Terms and conditions apply, loans subject to approval.